Hello, Penalty Box Radio fans. Sam Fleming here with you on the 10th episode of the Outside Smashville podcast. Hard to believe it's already been 10 episodes. And I want to say first and foremost, thanks to everyone at Penalty Box Radio. And thanks to you, the listeners, uh, for tuning into this podcast for 10 episodes. I really appreciate all the support and everybody who's come on the podcast uh, to listen uh, into each of the 10 episodes. And I really do appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Uh, for this episode, I have a good friend of mine and former NBA defenseman, Daniel Cowan, um, as we talk a little bit about his experience at NBA, uh, how he got started in hockey. We get to know Daniel a little bit better. And we also talk about the NHL playoffs. So a little bit of a disclaimer, this podcast was recorded before the first round wrapped up. And you might have heard some of our takes on certain series might be a little bit outdated. Uh, we did think that the Calgary Flames would beat the Dallas Stars, and we thought the Canucks would go to seven games. Just a little heads up. So, But it was still a really good podcast, and I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Expect more outside smash fills uh, coming up with hockey returning and hopefully a full season um, next year to come around. But again, thanks for tuning in, and enjoy the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, it's good to be back at the 10th episode of Outside Smashville. And, you know, I had to bring a good friend on to be my guest for this episode. And he's somebody that I tend to play video games with a good amount, but also just talk a lot of hockey with and even some golf with. I'm bringing in my good friend, NBA alum, played there for four seasons, also played travel with the Nashville Junior Predators and the Flyers in the area. And also a guy who just loves to talk hockey, Daniel Cowan, joining me on this episode. Daniel, thanks for coming aboard. Great to be here. Tenth episode, that's a big milestone. I'm honored <laughs> that you've selected me for that number 10 that decade. Uh, <laughs> proud of you for making this far, Sam. That's, that's awesome. Really, really loving it. Yeah, so as I mentioned, Daniel, a good friend of mine, also a hockey player that's here in Nashville. He's back up at Davidson uh, where he's in at school. So got to ask you, how's life? at school during the pandemic right now uh, you know I, I, the only thing that the only redeeming quality about everything is that you know everyone's going through it like i'm not the only one who's like suffering and you know um it's fine i mean you know i think professors had a lot more chance to you know get ready for online classes what and whatnot so that's manageable and i finally have an excuse uh you know to not go through with my plan to uh try to build a club hockey team here at davidson there wasn't a lot of uh, interest to start with but but now there's there's absolutely no chance it's going to happen so so at least there i have some sort of excuse not to not to go through with it uh, other than just being lazy um <laughs> well yeah, things are fun things about as good as you can expect of me it's 2020 you know <laughs> well you know when it does start back you should pick it back up because I'm sure you could recruit some people up to Davidson. Oh yeah. Help I mean, Daniel out guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me know if you know any uh, Davidson students who, who happen to play hockey. I mean, I, I put a, uh, a message in the Facebook group. You know, Davidson's small enough where we literally just have a Facebook group with all students. Uh, got exactly six responses. So okay, shout out if you responded, if you're listening to this and you responded, shout out to you. I'm sorry that I never got back to you. I got a little bit demoralized when I only got six responses. But, uh, you know, it's not like I'm not doing anything hockey. You know, we're still paying attention to the NHL. We're still, we're still dialed in. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's still hockey in my veins, so we're, we're good. Can't never leave. So I want to ask you, since we were going to start out kind of getting to know you, how you got through into hockey, that's my first real question. You grew up here in Nashville. What got you into the sport of hockey? So my dad started playing when he was really, really young. I mean, he was like – first generation of like Nashville hockey players. I mean, like way back in the day. Um, I think he was on like the very first Vanderbilt club hockey team. Um, and, you know, a lot to live up to. I, I guess that's where I was trying to go with <laughs> with, with uh, my ideas of Davidson. Vanderbilt's a little bit bigger, so, you know, he has that over me. But, yeah, I think he was on the very first Vanderbilt club hockey team. Um he was like, you know, one of the very first youth hockey players in Nashville. I wish, you know, I was learning this as I'm growing up. You know, I, he didn't tell me this, like, when I first started playing. So when I'm finding all this stuff out, I'm like, wow, that's 
absolutely crazy. You know, he had a really big part of, you know, the early stages of, of youth hockey in Nashville. It was really crazy. So, you know, he's been – he still plays to this day, uh, men's hockey. And, um, you know, he's been a season ticket holder with the Preds since the beginning. And and so it was pretty much inevitable that that my brother and I were going we're gonna to end up playing hockey. And, and that's the way it went. We put on skates for the first time, and you know, as everyone, you know, it wasn't natural by any means, but <laughs> but, but we all go through the learning process, and I, I kept with it, and, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the story. It's uh, one one travel team to another. I, Robert definitely, and my brother, definitely stuck with the uh, competitiveness more than I did in playing double, triple A. I was kind of down in the you know, single A, double A, D, but. That's where I was having fun. So you know what? That's all that matters, right? Right. That's all that matters. Yeah. Daniel and I were teammates for a couple of years, and we're actually going to, in the getting to know you segments, share a favorite memory we had when we played together. I got a couple that I'm going to mention. But you played for the Junior Preds. You played for the Flyers. So you played for a lot of coaches. What are some of the best pieces of advice when you were growing as a player that you got from a coach that stuck with you and then – moving into NBA as well, where you played for four years and were an assistant captain on the team as well. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of hockey is like the mental aspect of the game. I mean, you can be as 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 good as you want. Um, you can have a team that is as capable as, you know, you might want. Um, but if you aren't mentally tough, you're going to get nowhere. Um, and I think that's something that uh, Coach Kovic taught us at uh, at NBA was, um, you know, if you if you aren't mentally strong, if you aren't mentally prepared for the game, then you're not gonna you're not gonna take it. I mean, we had really talented teams at NBA. I mean, you know, arguably the most talented in the state, um, at least three out of the four years that we were there. Maybe two two you can argue as well. Um, but when it came down to getting the championship game, you know, just at several of those years, we just didn't have the mental fortitude, uh, you know, to, to wrap it up, to do what we needed to do. And, and uh, I think that's just one of the biggest things that I learned. Unfortunately, you know, I learned, you know, those sort of um, like those lessons specifically towards the end of my hockey career. Um, but I think uh, I also learned a lot of, you know, valuable lessons going through, uh, I believe, one year of AAA with Coach Brad Stouffer's and the Junior Preds. And uh, I, I, I'm be honest, I spent a lot of time on the bench. Um, but just the way it was, I was proud to have made the team. But I think I learned a lot about being a team player that year. You know, how, you know, you just can't, you can't be too hard on yourself. You kind of have to play for the team when you're on the ice. You know, support your team, you know, vocally, um, make sure spirits continue to stay high. And and that's just such an important aspect of the game. So I think it's clear, like, a lot of what I've learned over the course of my career is just, like, the mental aspect of the game because it's just so – it's so important. And you and I both play two of the most mentally challenging sports in hockey and golf, you know. And oh, gosh. Be mentally Don't get me started on golf. We're still learning there. <laughs> oh, hey, you're, you're pretty good, though. I mean, we play. No, no, no. It's, it's just staying out of your own head. Yeah. It, it, it's tough. It's a skill, definitely. And I, I don't know if I have a skill yet. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, you talked about playing AAA, but you also played at one of the top teams in Gene Ash at, at NBA. But not only from a player's perspective on the ice, but off the ice, what are some of the best things that NBA gave you as a student and also an athlete that you'd say? I think the, the benefits of being a student in NBA were like clear from the moment I stepped foot on campus at college. Um, I mean, they, they really do work you hard. I mean, it is, you know, it is as advertised. Um, you go there, you know, primarily to be a student. Um, and, you know, I just think with, with the amount of expectations that are placed on you, um, with having to juggle extracurriculars on top of all the course load or coursework, um, it really does prepare you for, you know, 
building up those time management skills, being able to um, handle stress or cope with it um, because you're going to, you know, you're going to be stressed. This is how it is. Um, and then, you know, it, it allows you to develop your own coping mechanisms with those stress and um, offers outlets um, for, you know, relieving stress if, if you so need. Um, and, and so getting on college campus where, you know, it's a little bit less structured, you know, you're not going to class, you know, for seven hours a day and then, you know, you have practice right after and then you do your homework, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's less structured, so you have to build your time around that. Um, but since, you know, I built, built those time management skills, I was able to like fairly easily, you know, structure my time and uh, it allowed just everything to be a lot more stressful. The transition was a lot more seamless. Uh, so I think it was very clear, you know, like the student aspect of it. Um, and of course, you know, gentleman, scholar, athlete, like the number one thing you're going to take out of that is just being a gentleman. Um, and I think like it's, it's clear those, those effects, you know, they really emphasize, I mean, even things as small as shaking someone's hand, looking them in, in the eye, you know, eye contact, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, where, you know, keeping yourself, keeping your appearance, like, in check, you know, not letting your, like, not letting yourself go crazy, which, which I will admit, you know, sometimes I, in a pandemic, it's hard to, it's hard to keep yourself looking, uh, well, <laughs> but, um, and then I, I think it was really important that, that they, they emphasize the importance of, uh, you know, staying fit, uh, staying healthy, because they required everyone to participate in sports. Um, and again, during a pandemic, we're learning how important it is to stay fit. So, um, another, another lesson I took away from, from NBA, those are, those, those would be the, uh, top items I would say. Yeah. And you and I both went to pretty challenging schools, of course, NBA mm. for you and Zorth for me, we both played hockey. I don't think we really got a chance to play against each other because NBA was on a different level, um, <laughs> Fair from yeah. at, the t at the time, but, um, again, we got some good football games in though. I don't know if you ever went to any. Oh yeah. Always the, the Innsworth NBA football games were some of the best though. I think in your heyday, you know, Innsworth was on top. Oh, yeah. you know, when 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 you were in your heyday at Innsworth, it was it was Innsworth dominating NBA, and I think it, it kind of transitioned after you graduated. There might be a correlation there. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to say this causation, but there might be a little bit of a correlation. <laughs> the good days when Corn Elder, who's now in the NFL, was on Innsworth. Oh, that, that was a fun time. But he was electric. Ele electric, yes, very electric. That's an understatement, really. Yeah. So. Again, we, we talked about NBA. Now, from an alum's perspective, I've got to ask you probably the last question before we go to our next segment. Big change, of course, Tim Kovic, who's a great coach and a great individual that I've known. He's going to go to an assistant coach position as NBA has now brought on J.P. Dumont, former Nashville Predator and NHL player who was a very good player for the Predators at the time. Now he comes in to be the head coach. As an alum, what do you see for the future of NBA hockey with him at the helm? I think first and foremost, you're going to see NBA's pipeline start to grow more and more uh, when it comes to hockey, at least. Um, Coach David Deutsch has always had like a Google form like spreadsheet, uh, keeping track of, of, of possible players. And I remember freshman year, the pipeline was just so small. I mean, it was so minuscule. Um, and I just remember being proud that, you know, anyone wanted to come to NBA, um, and play hockey for that school. Um, and of course we had just several really good years making it a state championship game and, and grew the hype a lot. Um, and then by the time I was a senior, that pipeline had really, really built out just because of those solid and even after I graduated, you know, they made the state championship another year. Um, you know, the success continues. And now getting a coach with the reputation that, you know, J.P. Dumont has, you know, former NHL player, uh, Nashville great. It's incredible. And I, I can only imagine, you know, the younger kids who are going to end up deciding where they want to go to school. And I guarantee you they're going to be a bunch who say, I want to go to NBA because of J.P. Dumont. Um, and I'm really excited to see what lays ahead for, for him. 
I will say, though, alumni games are going to be pretty tough <laughs> if you've got Dumont on the other side playing with the current oh, squad. I can only imagine. I can only hope that, that I will be on Dumont's team. But we, will, <laughs> we will see. No offense to Coach Kovic, but I will also say that Coach Kovic never played in the NHL, and I think he, I think he will understand. I know him well. I think he'll understand my, uh, my point of view there. Yeah. He's a great guy, and, and I've played with Jacob, his son, a lot, and Tim's mm-hmm. been a really good coach to me when he was an assistant coach, and I really appreciate mm-hmm. how nice he's been. And I know it's and a big really, step. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say I really loved – I really did love playing for him, and it was a lot for him to step in my freshman year when we went through a coaching change. I mean, we were in a tough position. We were towards the bottom of the league, and for him to push us to that turnaround that we did ended up making the state championship game, that was awesome. And, you know, he took on a lot, and I give him a lot of credit. Yeah, and he did the same thing for us, and our travel hockey team stepped in to be an assistant coach for two years in a row and did a really good job running the Fords, and I appreciate that. And I know you being coached by him for four years, you can really appreciate what he did stepping in for you. So, again, it's a big transition for NBA. I think Ensworth went through a similar one, bringing in Tim McAllister and Derek Kimbrough, Mm -hmm. and now I'm over coaching Franklin with my – good friend and good coach and Todd Gross. So and we both have had some good experiences with Todd and uh, we might share Definitely. some of those in the next segment where we're going to get to know Daniel hockey style. You're going to hear some questions uh, asked to him. And also you're going to get to hear two, three aside teams. You know, the three on three team is one of my favorite questions to ask, but we got two that you're going to hear. You're listening to episode 10 of outside Smashville. Here's Hintz. Hainskinen heading for the net. Hainskinen scores! What a setup! 2-0 Dallas! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Segment two, I've got Daniel Cowan here on the 10th episode of Outside Smashville. We talked a little bit about his experience playing uh, in G-Nash and at the travel level. Got his thoughts on J.P. Dumont going to his alma mater NBA. But Daniel, let's get to know you a little bit better here on my second segment. So first question I always ask anybody that comes on here, who is your favorite NHL team besides the Nashville Predators? So I thought about this, and I can't say that I have, like, one favorite other team. A lot of, like, when I'm watching hockey, a lot of it is based on who's commentating the game, like who's doing commentary. I am extremely biased towards, like, several commentators. Like, some I will – I don't care, like, who the teams are playing. Like, if this person is commentating the game, like, I'm watching, I'm fully invested. Gord Miller right at the top. Gord Miller is my favorite yes. commentator of all time. Love that man. I mean, the excitement he puts in every game is just incredible. Uh, and, and, and Chris Cuthbert falling right behind uh, two TSN guys, but also work with uh, NBC Sports Network several times. So it's good to, good to have them call some games in the States. Um, but those are generally um, Senators, Maple Leafs games. And, you know, Senators maybe – you know, not the most fun team to watch, but, you know, if Gordon Miller's calling it, you know, I'm all in. Yeah. And then, of course, the Maple Leafs are an incredibly fun team to watch um, with all the skill they have up front. And I will point out that I also really do love watching Colorado games, not necessarily for, you know, the commentary, but, I mean, watching McKinnon, Landis Cog, you know, Campbell Carr, guys like that do their thing, a lot of fun. They got a lot of skill. They got a lot of firepower. Um, course being a central division rival i won't say they're my favorite team but but uh i do enjoy watching their their games yeah and colorado you mentioned mccarr probably one of my favorite players everybody at pbr gives me a lot of a lot of stick for how much i like mccarr but he is probably one of my favorite young up-and-coming prospects oh my gosh i, I can't imagine why they gave me any stick <laughs> for that man like yeah completely valid yeah fun player to watch yeah, and, you know, I love watching Tampa Bay. Everybody knows that's my second team that I truly follow. But you talk about yeah. commentators. I love listening to Ray Ferraro do rinkside stuff. He's probably one of my favorite between-the-glass commentators Definitely. I've ever heard because he's played the game and he's so good. 
Um, my next question. the game so well, I'll agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. My next question stems to a little bit about favorite players, but who was your hockey idol growing up? Paul Korea. Yeah. Okay. So well, let me let me preface this first. Uh, stick first, like stick that I ever got for for hockey, at least a, a carbon fiber stick was a Sidney Crosby stick. So let me just preface that by saying that. So Crosby's probably like my first player that I ever knew of. But Paul Korea, when he was on the Preds, I loved. Love watching him. One of my earliest memories of like watching press games was a game against the Flyers in 2005. And I did look this up. I had to. I had to look it up just to verify that it was right. Um, December 3rd, 2005. Preds Flyers go to shootout. Um, I'm there in the arena. I'm like six years old at this point. And Paul Korea comes up. Flyers had missed their first two shots. The Preds had already scored one. He comes up with the game on stick. Um, and if I remember correctly, which I think I do. He has a little forehand, backhand, top shelf, game over. Everyone go home. That was it. That was one of my favorite memories. One of my earliest memories of being in a press game, too. That was Paul Korea. I love watching that guy. Number nine, probably. And you see the number nine's been pretty good in Preds history. Paul Korea oh, yeah. and Philip Forsberg. So oh, yeah. I, I I told people this, and I said this on an earlier episode. I always loved Vincent LeCavalier of Tampa Bay. It was one of my – and the first ever – NHL hockey game I ever owned was NHL 06 and Vinny yep. LeCavalier was the cover athlete and yep. that, that was one of my favorite games of all time because you had the NHL 94 mode built in there PlayStation 2 Korea was probably one of my favorite Predators or you know I'd say even guys like Steve Sullivan or Kimo Timonen mm, but I always love Scott Walker Scott Walker would probably Walker, man. would be one of my favorite predators I ever got to watch, and he was he was a tough guy, but he scored a lot of goals. So oh, yeah, but but Vincent Lecavalier of a non-pred, I'll go with Korea two or Scotty Walker would be my mm-hmm. two my two favorites. But now we're switching off hockey. We know you like golf too. You and I played some golf with each other. What's your favorite golf course you've ever played? And is what's the one that still remains on your bucket list? So I have – I don't have a ton of experience with uh, traveling around different golf courses, except I did go to Ireland. Um, you know, the, the NBA senior trip, um, you, can, you can choose to go to, to, to Ireland. And uh, – we played several golf courses, I think three. Yeah, we played three different golf courses, one of them being Lahinch Golf Club. Um, and the, the site of, the, I think it was a 2019 Irish Open, beautiful course, links course, tall grass, as far as the eye can see. I lost probably like 20 balls, something like that. I mean, it's one of those courses where you, you have to buy like, you know, several several sleeves of balls extra just to be safe you know probably shot like a 110 but it was beautiful i mean just beautiful and, you know typical irish course like one that you would um, expect to see in ireland ireland and did not disappoint whatsoever just as hard as you think it might be but but i would go back in a heartbeat to play that course um and i think the the go-to answer is augusta for for bucket list that's obviously not ever going to happen in my lifetime. So I think uh, Whistling Straits is probably one that I would that, that comes to mind that I would want to play. One that would be uh, feasible, you know. Uh, beautiful course. And I think, you know, the scenery does a lot more for me than anything else, more than the difficulty. Um, and so you can't go wrong playing in Whistling Straits. Yeah, and that's a great one. And so I, I'm going to answer this one too. I haven't had much experience traveling either, but – this year, as people know from my first episode, I went to Arizona and I got the chance to play the Wildfire Golf Club at the JW Marriott Resort, which mm. is a Arnold Palmer, Nick Faldo signature. There's two courses and the back nines form up to host the LPGA Tours Founders Cup out there. And that course in the desert, the ball flies a little bit different because it's a flatter plane. But some of the views from there with the moon setting, you could play golf. I mean, it's set pretty early, but you still got a pretty scenic 18 holes in whichever side you played. And, you know, it was definitely a cool experience because I got to see the coyotes play a game down there. And then I got to go play golf for a couple of days. 
and and you say Augusta. Augusta is one of those ones I think everybody would say. But I think my number one one would be to go to the home of golf, St Andrews, and play. Oh wow! Yeah, play, play yeah, the cool. old course. Now, if I have to say one in the United States, it's Pebble Beach because of the seventeen mile drive. Any of the courses out there at Pebble Beach, probably the main course. Or I'm actually going to go with Shinnecock Hills, where they played oh, the wow. Open a couple years ago. So off the ocean, definitely a cool view. I wouldn't expect a score too low if you played there. Ooh. No, after watching the U.S. Open and one over one, you'd probably oh, be shooting gosh, in the hundreds. Man. I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> Back to hockey. One NHL arena you've never been to that you would want to go to a game at, whether the Preds are playing or not. Um, okay, I have to look. It was, it's either – which one's Vancouver? Rogers Arena or Rogers Place? I think it's Arena, right? I think it's Arena, yeah. I think, I think so. it's Arena. Um, Vancouver is, is where I want to go next. I've been to, I was lucky enough to go to, um, uh, I've been to St. Louis. I've been to Montreal, I've been to, um, been to Raleigh, um, and several, several, I've been to DC, several, several places I've been to already. Um, Montreal was really cool. And I think if you, if I wanted to, to get another Canadian, Canadian experience, you, you can't go wrong with hockey in Canada. really can't. Yeah. Uh, I think Vancouver would be my next place to go, Rogers Arena. And not only just to see the Preds play the Canucks, but also just because Vancouver is a really, really cool city to be. Yeah. Um, I've heard, heard nothing but good things about it. So I think that would be next on my list if I, if I could choose. Yeah, my dad's been to Vancouver. I don't think he's been to a game, but he's been to the city. And, you know, I, I've been to Arizona, Tampa Bay, St. Louis, Nashville, of course. I think the one I want to go to is Vegas because I've mm. heard that's a party at T-Mobile Arena. Yeah. Or Toronto to do a Hockey Hall of Fame and see a, a Maple Leafs game. But I've got to say, when the Kraken come around, I kind of want to go to Seattle. Oh, right. I kind of want to go to Seattle. And, and I mean, they sold out quicker than uh, Vegas did, huh? They, they did. And, I mean, those jerseys, I've got to say, they're clean. Those look so good. You they're know, so I, it clean. really makes me want to just drop a quick 300 bucks to buy that jersey. <laughs> I, you I know, mean, respectable for that yeah. one, for sure. Honestly, though, I mean, they look really, really good. And it's rare for a – you know, expansion team to do this well with jerseys. And Vegas did well, but I think the Kraken got them beat, you know. Yeah, I, I think so too. They're they're all good. Um, but I, I would say Seattle, when they come around, would probably be my top. But mm-hmm. of the ones I've not been to, I'm going to go Vegas would be my number one to go see it. Okay, yeah. so this was the question I was asking you about. And I'm going to actually start this one off. Good, okay, good. I was going to let you start anyway. Favorite memory of the t- of the time that we played on a team together, and I've got two. My first one was one when you were filling in for a team we played on with the Flyers. Todd Gross was the head coach. We were playing the Lexington Thoroughbreds. You, Reed Owens, Ryan Barrett, and I got put out on a penalty kill late in the game, and I had gotten like dumped in the corner by some guy. But you held the blue line, threw it back to me. I walked out in front, scored the game winner with like less than two minutes left on a shorthanded goal, and we won the game. But that's not my favorite. My favorites were in the Nashville chaos in the country and western showdown in 2009. We played two tournaments that year, the two of the country and westerns, handedly won the first one and won the showdown Olympics. Then we played the advanced one, and we get matched up against the Duluth Thrashers. Oh man, Duluth! Don't get me on the Duluth Thrashers. Okay, yeah. Keep Duluth going. came in on a beach vacation theme for this tournament, and we're oh like eleven gosh. years old, right? And these guys have like inflatable palm trees, monkeys hanging with coconuts, stuff like that. <laughs> Coaches are in Hawaiian shirts because they thought it was going to be a walk on the beach. We get matched up against them. Their coach gets thrown out of the game for taking too many penalties, and we beat them in overtime with Clay Neiman on a game winner and then go on to win that tournament. Oh, my God. Like one of my favorite memories, because that was the first team you and I ever played together on. Right. Like 11 years old. But that was probably my favorite, was beating the Thrashers in the country and Western to go back to, go to the championship and go back to back. 
I remember every time we played the Duluth Thrashers, it was heated. I remember every single time there were some heated games we had. Um, I have to say my favorite memory, and, and it's like it's kind of multiple memories, just like, you know, uh, sprinkled into one single memory. I would say it's the, uh, the uh, warm-ups, the pregame speeches that you would give. Uh, those were the best dude are you kidding because you your voice was like 40 times deeper than anyone else's in the room we're all like like 10 years old you know we're all like yeah nice let's go guys you're just like i mean you've got the you've got the announcer voice you're like all right boys we're about to to take this team down so whenever you stood up it was like everyone knew all right boys it's game time we're getting serious and you get into these like these like two minute long speeches like Boys, get your minds right. It's game time. We're going in. We're you know, teamwork. Pass the puck. We're we're you know, you know, insert whatever here. I, I don't I don't remember exactly what was said because it was it was so long ago. Yeah. But I just remember every time you stood up, it was goosebumps. I was like, let's go, let's freaking go. It's Sam time, baby. Let's go. That was my that's my favorite memory oh. by far. Oh my gosh, now that you bring those back, it was me and Luke Tenzi that year who would do those. And Luke would bring the Ray Lewis, what time is it, game time, sort of thing. And it was, oh, the chaos, man. Good memories from that year um, and a good team. So, okay. Now, I mentioned Daniel and I play video games. And first and foremost, we're really hyped about Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War after that reveal trailer that dropped yesterday. So I'm asking you a Warzone question now. If you had to pick one spot in Warzone to drop for the rest of the games you play, where and why? So for those who are familiar, Sam and I's drop point is just north of TV station in this little this little area uh, with a with a with a bank, big old building uh, with armory, and, and it's right next to like an auto repair station. If you know if you know what I'm talking about, then you're a real one. Uh, that's where we normally drop. If I had to pick one spot, I wouldn't say there, and it's because it's because I just don't feel like there's enough loot to justify it. You know what I mean? I honestly would choose downtown. Mm. Uh, it's 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 a bold spot, I think, but there's plenty of loot. There's plenty of pits. Uh, spaces to hide so you know if you're getting shot you can just run into a building and and weave your way through the through the streets and you're out of there you're gone um or you can take them on and, and fight but but you know my skill level we're, we're just gonna get out of there we're just the skill-based matchmaking we're not we're not taking any chances <laughs> uh yeah. i would say downtown pop on top of the building if you want to lots of options that's where i'm going Downtown's an interesting one. I, I love that spot we go to, but it always gets too crazy. I'm going to go with the neighborhood next to Promenade, the one that we drop in that has all the mansions and stuff and the houses, just because it's not as hectic at times, and there's still a lot of loot, and it's not a name location. I don't like going to name locations, if you know me. I like going off the yeah. grid a little bit. So I'm going to change one of these questions, and it is a beverage question. We're both t- over 21 now. Go to White yeah, Claw. Go to that clear. We are both over 21. Yeah. <laughs> what is the go-to White Claw flavor, though? Um, it, it had always been Black Cherry, and I think it was just because that was the first flavor I ever had. So I, I feel like it's a lame answer. So I'm, I, And I've definitely I've pivoted from that. So, so I have gotten into watermelon from the new pack. I feel like it's an unpopular answer. I know a lot of people who really don't like watermelon. Uh, mango is good too. I feel like my top three in no particular order would be mango, watermelon, black cherry. And I don't know if I would get eviscerated for that answer. But uh, you know what? That's it. I'm sticking with it. Those are the three that I've got in my fridge. Those are my go-tos. So this, that's what I'm sticking with. Yeah, that's those are good three. I, I I love that new flavor pack too. Although I think it is off the shelves because I went to the store today and I didn't see it anywhere. I can't find it anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm going with tangerine. I have to go with tangerine. That's a good call. That's I love call. tangerine. I love the lemon one, and I love mango. That would be my top three. Those, tangerine those would be in my tier two, I think. But yeah. but still right up there. And you're more of a truly guy, right? 
No, I, I, I've tried the Trulies. I like White Claw better. They're okay. all good, but White Claw is still my number one. So, but you're, but you're on the, you're on the Truly Lemonade. Train. Well, they don't even have that anymore either. They don't have the lemonades. So. What in the world? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Okay, final question. This is the one I've been waiting for. You're the coach of a three-a-side team in a three-on-three tournament with NHL players. You get one center, one winger, one defenseman, one goalie. Again, the catch always is they can't be on the same team. But Daniel brought up a good one. What about mixing in players that aren't active? So we're going to do two lineups, except the lineup of the non-active players can have been on the same team because they may have traveled across. But give me your current three-a-side team and give me your icons three-a-side team. Uh, okay, now that I'm looking at it. I have two that are on the same team with my current. I'm gonna start with the. Uh, I'm gonna start with the uh, retired players. Okay. I'm the rule, Sam. I'm sorry. I'll, I think I can think of one pretty quickly though. So okay. Okay. We won't have to, won't have to worry about it. Um, in fact, here I'll, I'll go. Right now? I'll go ahead and lead off since you're. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So people know my current three aside team because I did it in the first uh, episode. I think it was four with Jack Woods and Daniel Donetta. I said that my center was Jack Eichel. My winger was Nikita Kucherov. My defenseman is Kale McCarr. And my goalie is John Gibson. Everybody talked about that lineup. Kucherov, of course, one of my favorite players to watch. Eichel, you can't go wrong with Eichel. He's very dynamic. I think he's a little bit overshadowed by McDavid a lot. McCarr, still probably my favorite defensive prospect of the modern era. And then John Gibson, when he's on fire, he's on fire. Now, I've almost debated, do I put Darcy Kemper in there when he's on a roll? Potentially. Uh, but I'm sticking with John Gibson. Now, for my Icons three-a-side team, I've got to stick with my idol, Vincent LeCavalier, probably my hockey idol growing up, one of the best players, Tampa Bay Lightning, Stanley Cup champion. I always loved Vinny's game. I loved his leadership. He was probably one of the best players that I watched as a kid growing up. My winger, your idol, Paul Correa. Have to go with him. He's definitely somebody that when he was in a Preds jersey, I'll never forget the, the talent he had. One of the greatest calls when he got knocked out by Scott Stevens and scored that goal. If you want to recite that, you're the one who nails it on the Off head. the floor, on the board, Paul Correa. I tell you, I still watch that to this yeah. day. I still pull it up. Gary Thorne was my favorite announcer of all time. He killed that He killed that call. And then defensemen, I know that they were a rival around this time, but you have to respect his game. Probably one of the best defensemen to ever, to ever graze the NHL ice, Nick Lidstrom. You have to respect Nick Lidstrom's game. And he Definitely. was – a leader often on the on the excuse me on and off the ice, but he was one of the best players you ever watched play for Detroit and was a big part of their success in the 2000s. Um, in the start of this millennium, I, I think he's one of the best players that I ever got to watch. And you know, I got to see him play quite a bit in Nashville when he mm -hmm. was here. And then um, goalie, I debated Ron Hextall was one of the options, but Patrick Waugh, Patrick Waugh, one of the most he had that fire underneath him. Oh, yeah. He was an aggressive player. He was a heck of a coach, too, an aggressive coach. But you watch the highlights of Patrick Waugh. Uh, Patrick Waugh. My parents got to actually watch him when he was at the Montreal Forum mm. and said it was a special thing to see. But one of the best goalies to ever play, I think. Played for the Canadians, played for the Avalanche, won a couple cups, I believe. Patrick Waugh going to be my goalie. So now, now that you got this figured out, I'm good. Daniel's team's here. Ready to go. So uh, I'm, when I'm thinking three-on-three, three, I'm thinking um, among active players, you know, in 2020, I'm thinking we want speed, we want young speed, we want young skill. Uh, because name of the game, you know, so much open ice, you got to have the speed, blow-by players, you know, skill to, 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 to get around players with all that open ice, that's the emphasis. So I'm taking, I'm taking uh, as my center, taking, you know, none other than Nathan Kennedy. Okay. Uh, I, I think that, that, I mean, that was like immediate. That was who I was jumping to. Uh, and can you imagine him with Taylor Hall? Can you imagine that? The amount of skill, the amount of speed on that ice up front, I'd be terrified. No way I'd be wanting to go against those two guys. And if we're thinking uh, a young 
uh, speedy defenseman who who knows how to play defense. We're, we're taking Miro Heiskanen. Okay. Guy today of the week. So you know he's on a he's on a really tough physical Dallas Stars team. You know he's he's playing some hard physical hockey. He's got a heck. He's got a ton of skill. I mean, he's got a lot of skill up there. You know, we're not we're obviously not going to be relying on him to you know pop the game winning goal or anything, but but uh, he's certainly got the potential to do so, and he's a solid defenseman. So I'm taking I'm taking Miro Heiskanen back there. Okay. Uh, especially with his speed too. So goalie, um, I, I was thinking a lot about it, and I'm thinking uh, if, if you're on a three on three tournament, there's a lot of back and forth. You're gonna you're gonna need to have some stamina. And uh, I think if there's anyone who proved they have the most stamina in the history of the NHL, could be uh, Jonas Corpusalo. Yes. <laughs> lasting uh, five overtime, making 85 saves. So I think maybe he might work out on a three-on-three team. Now, you know, that might be a bold choice. But, but if I'm relying on stamina... Jonas Korpisal, by by all means, has proved he's got the stamina. So, so your modern day three on three team is McKinnon, Hall, Haskin, and Korpisalo. That's an <laughs> that's like the most interesting but exciting team I think I've heard as an. Oh answer. yeah, oh yeah. I think I think that they will raise some eyebrows definitely. A little bit, a little because I you know I didn't want to go straight for the McDavid Ovechkin. Yeah. You know, so. Be a little interesting. <laughs> A little bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit out there, but I like it. I do um, too. And then, and if we're going historical, this is what I really like. All right, so so we have McKinnon Hall on, on my current team. Can you imagine the Finnish Flash and the Russian Rocket on the same team? Paul oh. Burry, Tamu Solani. Oh, I will say neither of them are centers, but I feel like that's not as important on three on three. You get the puck if you got the speed and the skill. You're fine, all right. And if anyone, if anyone can 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 handle the puck, blow by players, uh, force turnovers, Pavel Berry, it's Tammy Solani. Uh, you know, the only thing I regret about Solani and and you know Berry as well. Um, Solani was one of my favorite players to watch, but you know he was out of his prime uh, by the time I was old enough to 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 watch hockey. One of the things I regret is not being able to watch Solani in his prime because you know you watch highlights. He was, especially his rookie year, I mean, insane. Pure insanity. So, Tammy Solani and Paolo Berry in their prime. Um, and then Raymond Bork on D. Really solid defensive. Five-time Norris Trophy winner. Won the Calder. Um, and then several years of point-per-game production. Solid guy to have back on, on the D for that for the three-on-three. Three. I think he'd compliment Burry, Burry and Solani well because of how well he moves the puck. Um so that's that's who I'd go with back on the back end, and then Martin Brodeur. Of you course, you, I mean, just pure one of the most reliable goaltenders in the history of the NHL. Just pure consistency, and you can't go wrong with with Martin Brodeur. So, so I think those are my four with the uh, with historical in a historical context. That's a that's a really good team. When you said the Russian Rocket, I was like, how could you forget Pavel Bore? He's probably I, one I of the best. I was a lot about it. I was like, of course, you know, speed, Pavel Bure. And Timu Solani, the fame, shooting the glove out of the sky oh, I yeah. mean, for the Jets. And then Rene Bork, I mean, the guy took forever to win a cup, but still one of the best defensemen. You know, you watch highlights and you know, you could almost even put Bobby Orr in there too. Is a great. I was defense. thinking about it, yeah. Yeah, and then Martin Broder, I think a very reliable goalie. I think both our goalies very reliable, but mm-hmm. that's exciting. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- those teams are interesting. I got to say, the Haskinen pick really that was intriguing because it's like McCall, yeah. it's these younger guys now that are taking over the league as defensemen. Haskinen, it's a new era. Haskinen's yeah. had a good playoffs. We'll talk about Definitely. that. Definitely up in segment three. So. That's getting to know Daniel Cowan a little bit better, but when we come back, we're going to talk the NHL playoffs and the bubble. Let's talk about how that's worked out here on Outside Smashville. Erikov off his game. Kucherov centers point and scores! Braden Point has done it again! The overtime winner ends the series! All 
Welcome back. Segment three here of Outside Smashville, episode 10. I've got Daniel Cowan, NBA hockey alum. We've gotten to know him a little bit better. Um, Daniel, want to plug your Twitter handle really quick so that people can follow you? Yep, Daniel S. Cowan. Uh, recently changed. It actually used to be Daniel Cowsey. We got Daniel <laughs> S. Cowan. Uh, I tweet every once in a while. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect for a tweet storm by, by any means. Uh, every once in a while, I'll put out some sports sports analytics, sports stats out there. But, uh, yeah, Daniel S. Cowan, if you want to follow me. And that's something that's really cool, too. You're big into sports analytics, sports stats. I know you do some stuff on the Preds and just kind of following that stuff for fun. But you want to do that more as a career. But let's talk about the playoffs. You and I have been talking about it. We text with our good buddy Kyle Bartels all the time. We talk about playoff hockey. Um, this bubble, I definitely think the bubble has pro- promoted a lot of good hockey here. Mm. You don't have the fans, but you have the music. It feels like a home environment. But the intensity, I think it's the most intense playoffs I've seen since I've watched hockey in a long time. Yeah, I, I will say, you know, when they first announced it, I was a little skeptical. Um, and even watching – Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, that first puck drop in the bubble, I just wasn't sure how I was going to like it. I wasn't sure if I could, you know, get into it as much as, you know, previous playoffs where you've got the, you know, the energy of the crowd, you know, making it that much more exciting. Um, But I have been pleasantly surprised. I mean, there have been, you know, you got stories like Montreal taking on uh, Pittsburgh just – I mean, out of nowhere. I mean, I, I think I was looking, all of the ESPN experts predicted, you know, either Pittsburgh in, in three or four or something like that. All of them wrong. I mean, you know, it's just things like that. You, I think a lot of times you kind of expect more binary results, at least in the first round of the playoffs, especially in a qualifying round. And you still get, you know, shocks like this. And, uh, you know, series like Dallas Calgary have uh, have surprised me too, and just how intense they are. I kind of expected Dallas Calgary to be a really boring series, um, but you know, overtimes, last minute goals, and goal scoring left and right. It's just it, that series has been fun to watch. I'll say, um, the bubble has worked out amazing. I mean, just I don't think they've had any cases in the bubble. Zero. Um, which is, I mean, you compare it to, to, to the MLB. It's, I mean, it's crazy. It, it's insane how well it's working out. And with the intensity of these games, you know, you've got five overtime games with Columbus, Tampa. You know, I, I think they couldn't have done it any better. I mean, just knocked it out of the park. They've done a great job. So you got to give credit to Gary Bettman and, and the leadership in the NHL because they've really, really knocked it out of the park. Um. I think if I had to uh, choose a, a surprise team, I think, I mean, definitely definitely Montreal. I think Philly surprised me with how well they did in the, um, in the round robin. And, I mean, they played so well in the round robin that I, this, and this, you can construe this as, as, a, um, as, as a hot take or not. I have them in my bracket in the, in the Stanley Cup final. Um, May or may not be a hot pick considering they are the one seed in the East. But, uh, I mean, I really do, with how well they played, how they thoroughly dominated those other three teams in the round robin, I could see it happening. I really could. Yeah, and, and you look at Philly. They were a team that a lot of people didn't expect to even be here at the start of the season. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you talk about this play-in um, round. It allowed a lot of these teams that weren't even really – in playoff contention to have a shot. You have mm-hmm. Chicago, an example. They knock out Edmonton. I mean, who would have thought that with McDavid and Dreisaitl having exactly. the years they had? Columbus knocking out Toronto. I hate to say it as a Nashville <laughs> fan, but Arizona knocking them out. And then you had Pittsburgh going out. I, I yeah. think it's been great. I, I don't – I hope we never have to do this again. Right, you know, but it was good for the circumstances to allow more teams to have a shot into the playoffs to get the chance to chase the Stanley Cup. And I think it was talked about with the Canadians. You get guys like Nick Suzuki. Holy cow! About mispronounced his name, Nick Suzuki, who had a yep. great game the other night 
against the Philadelphia Flyers. You're getting these younger guys. It, there was a stat that no Canadian on the active roster had actually won the Stanley Cup ever. And wow. you get the veteran leadership. You got Shea Weber back there, Carey Price. None of those guys have won a cup. And you look at Tampa Bay, Braden Point is definitely one of the guys. As a lightning follower, I'd say has really stood out. But the guy that has really stood out as a positive player, team-wise, I'm going to give the edge for the team. I, even though they went out, the Columbus Blue Jackets really stood out to me and how well they were able to hang. If I've got to go with a team that's currently active, Colorado Avalanche. They mm. look lethal. I mean, they are taking – they took the Arizona Coyotes to task. And oh, yeah. the team is – definitely really going to be one of the cup favorites out of the West, I think. And if there was anyone who was going to wear down Darcy Kemper, it was going to be the, the, the offense of Colorado Avalanche. And I do actually have them in my official NHL bracket challenge bracket. I do have them as my Stanley Cup champion because, yeah. I mean, their offense is just so hard to contain. My final my finals prediction is is Colorado versus Tampa Bay. I mm-hmm. I, I think it, either of those teams could win if Tampa gets Steven Stamkos back. Oh gosh, be, can you imagine? I mean, their power play is that much more lethal. Yeah. I mean, it's already lethal. They get Stamkos back. Watch out. But the player that has surprised me the most in the bubble, Joe Pavelski of the Dallas Stars. He has had a quietly good round or you know first round that hat yeah. trick he had uh, against Calgary he's been a really good player for them and you know I think everybody thought Sagan Ben Radulov would be the guys that were dominating you talk about Miro Haskinen John Klingberg they've had good uh play uh playoffs so far but Pavelski for the low term that he got as a, a unrestricted free agent a little bit older. I don't think a lot of people expected him to maybe take off as much as he did, but he's had a really good playoffs, I think. And then if you go to another guy, Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat. I was going to say the exact same thing. Bo Horvat's had a really good playoffs as well. And, I mean, you think about he's the captain of that team, but you think Besser, you think Pedersen. Those are the guys that are going to lead that team. But Bo Horvat has really taken the lead of that young Vancouver team. So, for me – It'd be Horvat and Pavelski are my two that have been good surprises. Maybe my ones that have not been so hot in the bubble. I mean, Brendan Gallagher, a guy that's normally a top guy in Montreal, just scored his first goal the other night. He actually got benched a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'd say Gallagher. And then, you know, I think it's hard to really find another disappointment. But I'm going to go Brendan Gallagher is probably the guy that I would have expected a little bit more from. And, of course, he's out now. I think he uh, fractured his jaw, they announced today. Oh, really? Uh, took a cross-check right to the face last night, which the NHL actually is looking at. So we'll see if anything comes of that. But he is actually done. Um, yeah, he's requiring surgery and is out for the series. Oh, this is very recent as of, you know, like an hour ago. Wow. Um, so really tough news to, to, to hear out of out of Montreal, but I will say one guy who's I've really enjoyed watching actually. And one that I really never paid attention to before this was uh, JT Miller. Yeah. JT Miller has been putting some pucks in the net and that's some, you know, some depth that Vancouver has been really taking advantage of in, in the series against St. Louis. And they'll really need it. These next few games trying to close it out um, up three, two, I think, right. Right. Yeah. As of this point. Yep. So they'll need players like him and, and, you know, depth guys to step up if they're going to beat St. Louis because St. Louis has looked better these last few games. Yeah, I agree. So you have Colorado and Philadelphia in your finals. Yep. I've got Colorado and Tampa Bay. What hot take do you have for the second round that maybe not a lot of people would expect to happen? What would your second round hot take be, even though we're still wrapping up the first? Mm-hmm. Who 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 could surprise us here in the second round? Uh, my hot take: Vegas goes down in the second round. Um, you know, I think as saw as they looked against Chicago. At the end of the day, it's Chicago. And, you know, Chicago played really well against the against the Oilers, but you know, in a five game series, there's a lot more randomness. You know, bounces mean a lot more in a five game series because there are fewer games. You know, every Every bounce is, is that much more important. Um, and 
And I think, you know, Vegas just did what they were supposed to do against Chicago. They're the better team. They're going to they're gonna take the series. I think, um, you know, I have Calgary winning the Calgary-Dallas series. That This is who I have in my bracket. But I think whoever ends up playing Vegas is going to take Vegas out. That's my hot take. That's, that's one that I would not be surprised. I mean, Vegas yep. is a good team, but, you know, and they made it all the way to the cup finals, but I think people started to figure them out a little bit. Mm-hmm. My hot take, I did an episode with Jack Woods here at Penalty Box Radio, and I said Boston would not be the team they faced from the round robin or from the, mm-hmm. from the playing round. And I was wrong about that because they handedly took Carolina. That's I'm not going to make another prediction on Boston <laughs> because yeah. I actually think Boston has kind of found their game, and you can't count the Bruins out. Clearly so, yeah. My hot take – is the Philadelphia Flyers, if they win this series, they go down. They go down. To whoever they play. I could see it. I mean, Philadelphia, or Montreal has showed that they've got holes in their game. Yeah. Um, you know, and especially the game after, um, what was it, game two? Yeah. Or was it game three? Game it two might have been they won three. Like- I, no, it was game two because three they had two shutouts in a row with Carter Hart in that That's for right. Philadelphia. That's right. And I mean, that's, but they beat him handily. So, and, and that's what I was going to say. Carter Hart's still very young. Can you right. rely on Carter Hart to carry you to a Stanley Cup? Maybe they can, and they'll be fine. But I think there's going to be a lot of these teams, whoever, if they get matched up against, let's see, because Tampa's through. They're the two seed. You've got – The Islanders will be through. Austin, we think the Islanders will be through. So I believe it would be Philadelphia versus the Islanders, potentially. I think, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that team with Matt Barzell, Anthony Beauvillier, Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, they're young, but their goaltending is a little bit more of a veteran's. They have more veteranosity or whatever the words. They yeah, yeah, yeah. With Varlamov, they got a really solid. They got a really solid guy. In goal. And Elaine Vigneault, I think last night they were playing Montreal. He about pulled Carter Hart, but he had a really good moment there when Druin was off sides and he kept Carter Hart in there. Maybe that'll allow him to turn around. I still think Philadelphia wins that series, but there's holes in that game, and I think that there's a chance if they face the Islanders. They they will have a pretty good shot, but honestly, I could see the Islanders making a run. They could, they definitely could. could. They yeah. had a good chance to last year. I was shocked they got swept by Carolina, oh, but yeah. I think they're out for redemption next, like Tampa Bay was on Columbus, and they'll have a good run the rest of the playoffs. But either way, I think we're gonna have a really good second round. There's gonna be some players that we keep our eyes on. Okay, let let's make two predictions here. You have Calgary getting out of the Dallas series. Mm-hmm. You have I I will agree with that. I have Calgary getting out of that series as well, even though Dallas has looked strong. I think Calgary a little bit more of a tougher team. I think if you get Monahan, Gaudreau, especially if they get Kachuk back in their lineup, they're going to be tough to deal with. Who do you have getting out of the St. Louis Vancouver series? So pre series, I had St. Louis. Um, Vancouver shocked me first two games with how good they looked. Um, but then next few games, St. Louis took it to them. I mean, they looked like Saint, the St. Louis Blues. They really did. I mean, they played like they're supposed to. Um, so it's really just going to be a, a tale of two teams, I, I think. You know, it's which St. Louis Blues team shows up these next few games. Um, you know, if if those next few games happen, because it is three to two. So, you know, if St. Louis plays like St. Louis, I, I choose St. Louis any day of the week. But um, I would love to continue watching this Vancouver team because they're fun. They are really fun to watch. Um, if I had to pick a favorite, Vancouver. In terms of who I want to move on, Vancouver, just because of, um, I mean, just how exciting they've looked. Um, if I had to make a prediction at this point, like I said, it, it depends on which St. Louis team shows up, but if they play like they're supposed to, I really do think St. Louis can win the next two games. I, I think that's the same way, too, because, you know, they're a team that's been through adversity a lot. They get Tarasenko back, but I, I've got to say, I think Vancouver's young legs, you know, Jacob Markstrom, who's been fantastic in net. I've mm-hmm. got the Canucks. 
I think St. Louis wins this next game. It goes to seven. I've got Vancouver overtime game seven winning moving on. So I've got the Canucks. I got the Canucks in seven. So that's our predictions. That's our hot takes. I want to thank Daniel Cowan for joining me um, on a Zoom call from Davidson. Daniel, great to have you on. Talk some hockey. Definitely going to have you back on in the future. But thanks for coming on for episode 10 of Outside Smash. Great to be here, Sam. Thanks for having me. And I'll be back with another episode soon, episode 11, maybe when we get more to the third round again. Thanks to Daniel Cowan, and thanks for tuning in to Outside Smashville on Penalty Box Radio.